You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I want to encourage you to keep filling out prayer requests. On, there's, a, there's a table in the lobby that you can fill that out, put that on our prayer wall, and uh, we are going to continue to pray for those. And just, just to, I got a question about this. We're not going to give details on every prayer request that we publicly pray for. Um, we give you the information that you need to know um, to be able to pray for them. So don't let that be a hindrance for you going, I don't know if I want to put this prayer request down. We're not going to put all that information uh, publicly. We're going to pray for those, and that's, that's what you're praying for. One of the things that I'm praying for in 2019 that only God can do is a parking lot. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, they got excited before I even gave the good news. I mean, you're... Uh, in two weeks, uh, we are starting the parking lot up here. So uh, we're going to have, uh, yes. So no more uh, uh, mudding through the, the, the Creek Church parking lot. It's kind of a sad day, but it, I'm not really that sad. Um, but uh, yeah, week of February 18th, they're going to be uh, bulldozers on site. Again, I feel like we just went through this whole process, didn't we? But there's going to be bulldozers on site, and they're going to be grading that out and everything and putting some crushed asphalt on top and rolling that out. And they're telling me, ladies, they're telling me that you can walk on heels with it, walk on it with heels. So I might start wearing heels again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Never worn heels. Time out. No, it was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. Like, I can't believe what kind of church is this. But anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, keep, keep filling out those prayer requests so we can be praying with you and be praying for you. Uh, we're in a series on prayer called All Access. And the disclaimer in this, it's not going to be a uh, all-encompassing series of everything about prayer. Otherwise, we could be here for months just teaching about prayer and never scratch the surface. The intention of this series is this, for you to make progress in your prayer life. That means if you're not praying now, we want you to be able to start praying. You don't have to make it complicated. It's not this mysterious thing. If you are praying, man, we can always grow and draw deeper into the heart of God. And so we want everybody to make some progress um, through this series on prayer called All Access. And uh, prayer is our way of relationally connecting with God, that we have a holy, living, loving Father. And that's our way of connecting with Him relationally, that we have this access into the presence of God that Jesus paid for. Hebrews 10, 19 says, therefore, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, that he gave us the opportunity, provides the opportunity for us to be in the presence of God and enter in the presence of God. And in the presence of God is the only place that there is power for healing and forgiveness and hope and reconciliation and freedom from addiction. That is the power of God at work. And so we've got to be able to get in the presence of God to be able to experience that. And, and this confidence comes from Christ so that we can enter in and not just recite these memorized prayers. You know, it's amazing how we kind of reduce prayer to just like whatever we've memorized as a kid, you know, like the God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, you know. Or if you pray after, you're like, God is good, God is great, thank you for the food we ate, you know, because you don't know if where that food falls, is it a pre-blessed food, you know, you know, what's the rules? Or the most creepy prayer we teach our kids, now I lay me down to sleep, that line, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No wonder your kid has nightmares and comes and climbs in bed with you. I can't sleep, Bobby. I think I'm going to die. You're like, Jesus, please help put this kid back to sleep because we'll teach your kid how to pray. Um, 
So we just have these memorized prayers that really just are empty. They don't mean anything. They're just something we've learned and we memorize. And Jesus is going to teach us about prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, if you got your Bible, let's go there. If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back cabinets for you, or you can follow along on the screen. But Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches us about prayer. Starting in verse 5, he says, And when you pray, Jesus is speaking, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus, that's pretty straightforward, but I want to kind of, I want to kind of teach you a little bit about different Bible translations. At the Creek, we teach from what's called the English Standard Translation, English Standard Version. And you've got to remember that the original Bible was not written in English. It was written in Greek for the New Testament and Hebrew for the Old Testament. And so when it was translated, there's different translations. And so think of a spectrum. So you have those that are closest to the original Greek form. So Jesus, this would have been written in Greek. Jesus would speak Aramaic. But when they translated it, they start working through how does this relate in English. And so we we really try to teach from translations of the Bible that stay true to the closest um, uh, translation of the original text. As you move down that spectrum, you'll find a couple things. That they may be easier to read, but may not stay as true to the original text. It's still the inspired word of God. The Holy Spirit gave that word and protected it. It, it would be an example like to explain my, my pants. You could say I'm wearing long pants of blue that are woven in, in some type of denim material. I would rather you just say you're wearing blue jeans, okay? The truth is still the truth. We've just described my pants. But it's interesting because I like to look at different translations of the Bible because it helps kind of break it down and understand it. One, if you're struggling with reading the Bible, then start looking at some of those translations and they may be easier to, be, to digest for you. And so one, one I want to show you is the New Living Translation. And this is how it it reads. Jesus says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward that they will get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. So what Jesus has given us a challenge and really a warning about is hypocrisy. He said, you know, there's a disconnect because what Jesus is teaching is that a public prayer has to be rooted in a private prayer, that that there has to be some private time in the presence of God for there to be a public display. You know, we, we, we talk about baptism being a public display of faith. There has to be a transformation before the tank. That this water doesn't save you. Baptism does not save you. There's nothing that's going to change eternity about being dunked underwater. It is symbolism of a change that has already happened. And so it's, it's a result of what's happened in private. And so we, we talk about faith and we're like, well, my faith is very private. That's true. But it has to step out into the public. I mean, you need some private time with God. Otherwise, Jesus says it's hypocrisy. If you want to give this air of spirituality to the world around you, yet you're unwilling to do anything with God in his presence privately, then that's hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is not just an issue with all the churches. It's a human condition. 
because we always want people to think high, more highly of ourselves than we're willing to admit. We have disconnects in our public and private lives. And Jesus said, when we get into that, we're acting, we're playing a game. And he says, there, there, there's nothing powerful about that prayer. You're not spending any time in the presence of God. So there's gotta be, there's gotta be a connection from private to public. You know, our faith is for ourselves, but it can't stay just for ourselves. And so we've got to move on this, this progression. And so then Jesus goes in he, uh, further. He goes in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. The New Living Translation kind of breaks it down like this. He says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. Don't just give rambling, empty words. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating words again and again. If we reduce praying to some kind of chant or formula that when we think, when we say it enough times, God responds. And we think it's like the toddler going, mom, 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 what? I love you. I love you too, you know? Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. And what Jesus is saying is that when you, when you get into this, you really need to understand that, that you need to pray with sincerity, that, that there's got to be a heart connection. It's not just these empty words. He said, you just don't go on babbling and just, just repeating things and saying things. And let there be a heart connection. And it's, it, it, Jesus isn't saying that it's wrong to ask God over and over for things to repeat prayer requests. He's not saying that's wrong. What's wrong is the, the insincerity of our heart. And we just kind of come back and like, here's my to-do list, God. I mean, let me ask you a question. Those of you who are married, and if you're not married, this is some good wisdom right here. Those of you who are married, how would your relationship be if all your communication with each other was a series of to-do lists? It, it, it would be shallow and short-lived. Why do we think that that's the way we interact with God? That if prayer is our way to relationally connect with our holy, loving, living Father, that we should approach Him any different. I mean, Jesus gave a request multiple times. There was a time in Matthew chapter 26, it was before Jesus was crucified. And he's praying in the garden. He brings his disciples along. He said, come and pray with me. And multiple times he prays this prayer. When he says, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let it be. But nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. What that translates is this. Father, I know what's about to happen with the cross. It's the most shameful and painful way that the Romans had come up for execution. I know what's about to happen. If there's any way that we can handle the reconciliation for the sins of people, I'm in. I'm willing to do something different than the cross. If this, can, if this can be avoided. But I want your will done over my will. What Jesus is saying, he prays this multiple times, if this cup can pass. But, but I want your will over mine. See, when we pray with a sincere heart, then what's happening is it's aligning our heart and will with God's heart and will. That there's a sincerity where, where we begin to, to kind of come into alignment with God and we say, I, I want this, God, I'm praying for this, but I want what you want. 
We pray with that sincerity. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he was a great man in the New Testament, wrote a lot of letters which became the New Testament. And they're, they're back to churches that, that had been started because the message of Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection was transforming lives. And this message called the gospel began to spread like wildfire and churches were being formed. And, and so you have this man named Paul, was Saul, becomes Paul, radically transformed by Jesus. And he says, look, I, I prayed three times for this messenger of Satan, this thorn in my flesh to be removed. I prayed for healing. And it's, it's right for us to pray for healing. But if we're going to look at prayer as really, if we're going to be sincere about it, that it's an alignment of my heart, my will with God's heart and God's will, then we get in, we pray, and we say, he says, God, I've asked you to heal this. I've asked you to take this away from me. And he said, God responded. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Means he didn't get healed. That that condition didn't change. And we don't see the next lines of scripture going, and Paul said, but, and I, I, I turned my back on God because I thought you were loving. I thought you were good. I thought you loved me. I thought you wanted something good in my life. I thought you were doing something for me, God. That, that's when we pray with insincerity because it becomes all about me. What Paul responds after God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul said, I will therefore boast all the more about my weakness because in my weakness, his power can be made great. We've got to understand something when we pray. God is always looking at a much bigger picture than we are. If Paul had responded, then God, I'm done with you. If you're not going to heal this, I'm done. Then I don't believe you're powerful. I don't believe you are who you say you are, and I'm done. Maybe that's part of your story. Or maybe someone in your family or your, your, your friend circle, that's part of their story. But think about this. The response that comes from an aligned heart and will with God's heart and will is this. So I'm not going to be healed, God, but I'm going to boast all the more about my weakness because your power is so great. And how many, I mean, really, millions of people, their lives have been changed because Paul could align his heart with God's in that situation. See, God is always looking at something bigger than we are. And God wants us to pray with sincerity. It's, it's okay to ask for things. We need to ask for, for these, these things that God wants. But Jesus says, get in there and ask me sincerely. Don't just let this be a repetitive thing. Don't put your, don't, don't put your prayer life on an autoplay. And then Jesus teaches us this model prayer. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. It's amazing how we've reduced that to something we just repeat, where it becomes something just powerless and empty. Jesus says this. He says, when, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And a subnote on that says many transcripts say, and thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't it funny how we, when we quote the Lord's prayer, we always say, amen. Like when I pray, when I'm done, I say, amen. But when, I, when we say the Lord's prayer, we go, amen, like that's holier than thou. I don't know. You know why we do it? Because we memorize it that way. Most of y'all memorize the King James Version. Our Father who art in heaven. 
But Jesus said, that, that, don't make this your prayer. Let this be the model. Pray like this. I mean, I think when we just reduce this to words and, and we think that there's power in that, then, then we miss the point. The other night, Heather and I were watching TV and, and there's a battle going on and one of the soldiers is, is, is dying and he, he reaches up to his buddy and he's like, look, I, I, I'm dying, I'm not gonna make it. I want you to pray for me. I know you're a man of faith, pray for me. And I'm thinking, they're gonna show prayer on TV, boom. The guy gets down like this, he goes, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be. I'm like, no, you're just reciting words. There's no power in that. And then I, then I have to realize, hey, hey, Matt, um, it's an actor who memorizes lines for a show. But how many times do we become actors, which another word for actor, hypocrite. How many times in our hypocrisy we just memorize lines and think there's power in that? And Jesus said, that's not what I'm teaching you. The New Living Translation, I like how it kind of goes through this Lord's Prayer. He says, Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. You're righteous, you're powerful. I come to you in awe and respect. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever thought about this, that, that everything is already worked out in heaven? Because God who created everything, spoke everything into existence, stands outside of time that he, if, if he's the alpha and the omega, then he's already seen it completed. And in heaven, it's already completed. Ha, have you really prayed, God, the way you have worked this out in heaven? Because the way it's worked out in heaven is this, for his glory, for his praise. And do you really pray, God, the way you've worked out this out in heaven, can you, can you help me walk that out on earth? So let your will be done. There's an alignment there. Give us today the food we need. We need to pray for our daily provision. Pray for provision. Pray for forgiveness of our sins. Forgive us. And as we have forgiven those who sin against us, because Jesus would teach later that if you want forgiveness, you have to give forgiveness. It's a reciprocal thing. As you are forgiving, so you'll be forgiven. And then, then he says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We have to understand that we have an enemy that's after us. And this temptation is gonna come. It's gonna happen. It's not God tempting us, but, but there's an enemy who wants to see us uh, just weak and our faith destroyed and become completely ineffective for this kingdom where God's name must be kept holy. And so Jesus says, pray like this. And what he's really teaching us is to pray with simplicity, that we don't have to complicate prayer. We don't have to make it this some mysterious thing. It is simply relating to God. I have a need. God, I'm bringing that need to you, but I wanna connect with you relationally. I love my kids, and I love that I have a relationship with my kids. My kids now are at the age where I, as their father, I can be their friends. I could not be their friends when they were young because I had to be their father. And I know, as their father, I know what they need. I know what they need before they ask, but I want them to relationally connect me. I want a relationship with my daughters. And God is the same way. He says, I know what you need, but I want to connect with you at a heart-to-heart level. And people go, well, well, if God already knows what I need before I ask, why should I even pray? 
I mean, we kind of polarize that thing and think, well, I don't need to pray because it's already done. God knows what's going to happen. I just live it out. And then there's the other side. Well, no, no, prayer changes everything. Prayer moves the hand of God. I think both of those become very reductionistic in their views of God. When we really have to understand what prayer is, it's our relational connection with our Father. And through prayer, when we align heart and will with God's heart and will, what he is doing is preparing us for the answer that he provides. Otherwise, we can't walk it out for the fullness of his glory. We can't make his name great for how he's working in our life because we haven't spent time in that alignment. And we get so overly complicated with things. He says, I know what you need, but I just want to connect with you. You have the access. You have this power. You have all of me that you want. And I want you to connect. And when Jesus was crucified, the veil was torn from the top to bottom that separated the holiest presence of God in the temple. Jesus even coming to earth and being born of a virgin and living a sinless life and dying on the cross, giving his life on the cross, was all God's steps, all of God reaching to us to say, I want a reconciled relationship with you. And the one who did no wrong took on the wrong so that we could be in this relationship. And he simply wants us to connect. He doesn't want us to make it complicated. Last week, we were, we were talking through some practical ways to make progress in our prayer life. And we talked about planning to pray. What that means is, is you're, you're setting up time for deep connection, just like I would with Heather. She's my wife. I love her more than anybody on this planet. And I plan times, I plan date nights with her so that we can have un, undivided, focused attention on each other. Plan that kind of time with God. We talked about creating habits that minimize our distractions when we pray. And we talked about praying with others. When I, when I did that last week, y'all's face was classic. I just have to say, when I said, we're going to close service a little differently, what I want you to do is gather up about five to seven of you, and you're going to pray together. You know, turn around and huddle up. Y'all are like, what? <laughs> Some of y'all's faces, you look like you're on the roller coaster, you know, when it's coming down the hill, and the, they take your picture, and you can buy that. You're like, you want us to pray? <laughs> Honey, why did we come to church today? I'm just picking on you, but it was kind of funny. We are closing service differently again today. Um, I'm not going to ask you to pray. Some of you are like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Meet me out there in three minutes, honey. <laughs> oh, did I see my number come up? <laughs> I got to go get the kids. <laughs> but praying with others, that's how we grow. I told you last week I'd give you three, the, the final three on that. And, and the next one in that list is this, that, that we need to develop a system for prayer list. Yes, it does not become a repetitive thing, and we just kind of go through this list with God, but we've got to have a way of organizing our time in the presence of God. That if we just come in disorganized, then what happens is we end up babbling on, like Jesus said, just don't come in and just throw words around. We come in focused. We're prepared. I mean, we, we, we actually prepare to go into the presence of God. And so we come in, like, God, these are the things that are on my heart. It's, it's just that we've been modeling that for you the last couple of weeks with these 
the, the prayer cards that you've filled out. And we put them on these cards. Those cards are available. You can read those prayer requests. We, read, we, we share them publicly in here because we want a way to organize our time in prayer. The other thing this does is it helps us keep track of God's moving. That we start to think, well, God, are you answering prayers? Are you doing anything? Well, you start to look back, hey, I was praying for this, and here's how God began to work. So develop a way to, to work through this. Some of y'all, you might just have it right out a list. Some people uh, here, they do an index card for like their wife, their kids, their people, their job. Uh, uh, there was a guy last week that was showing me a piece of paper he folds up. And it's all like origamied and like, here's Monday and here's what I pray for on Monday. And then he folds it over. Here's Tuesday and he folds it over his Wednesday. And then I, I don't know if by Sunday it's like, here's the church, here's the people, open it up and there's all the people. I don't know. It's like his origami thing. But I mean, that's the way, he organizes it that way. But you know what? He's praying. I don't know what it is for you, but keep a list. And you know what does my heart good? Because people ask me, Matt, how can I specifically be praying for you? And I tell them, here's how you can be praying for me. And they pray for me. And they come back and they ask me, hey, I've been praying for this. How's that going? You know what just does me so much good? Because I know they've been praying and they're asking where the progress is and they're organized in their prayer. The other one is is. Pray the word of God in context. You might just want to write in all caps after you're feeling in context because we like to take the word of God out of context. You know, well, Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it'll be done. <laughs> I, we're going to teach on that next week. I'm going to wear you out with that. <laughs> in context. People say, you know, because in the line of the Lord's Prayer, he says, and deliver us from temptation. People say, well, Jesus will never give you more than you can bear. God will never put more on you than you can bear. Can I tell you what I've found in my life and my walk with God? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He will load it down, baby. You know why? Because he wants that weight to drive you into his heart. When it says in scripture, he will not give you more than you can bear, the context of that is temptation. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand up under. That when the enemy comes and tries to throw the temptation in your face, you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. You have the strength of God and you have the presence of God to say, I don't need that. That's an appetite that's gonna take me down a road I don't need to go down. That will never satisfy me. That's a dry well. That's the context. So when we pray, God, you said you'll never give me more than I can bear. Then look at the temptations in your life and start looking at how you run. You might have to run away naked like Joseph in the Old Testament, but he's given you the power to run, the power to stand, the power not to fall into that temptation. But when you say, God, you said you'll never put more on me than I can handle, he said, I never said that. But what I did say is when it becomes too hard for you to handle, you come to me. When you're weary, you come to me. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's his promise for us. There are thousands of promises that God gives us in his word. Do we know them well enough to ask for them? And God's word and God's will will never depart from one another. God will never do anything that, that contradicts his word in our life. He will stay true to his word. And I need to pray the word. If you have trouble in that, then, then if you have trouble getting into that prayer time, here's what I would say. Start reading a psalm. 
Man, the Psalms for me are just incredible for me to get in the presence of God because I love the way they start in this, this valley and they start in this darkness and there's just this, this complaining. And I, the Psalms of David, man, were just like, God, why do you hate me so much? Are you gonna kill me? My enemies are about to destroy me. Everyone's leaving me. This is awful. It's terrible. And then there's this shift. It's almost like the presence of God overwhelms David, but I will look up to you. I will find my shelter in the shadow of your wings. You're my rock and my refuge. Though they all encamp about me, I'm gonna hold my integrity, God, because you're faithful to the end. Your name is worthy to be praised. And start getting in and letting those, letting those Psalms really just, man, just work on you. It's amazing how the presence of God changes our perspective. And the last one is this. I love this one. Pray until you pray. It kind of sounds funny. It's old Puritan advice. Pray until you pray. It means this. You get past the how's your mom and them and, and the kids doing all right. How's the job? And man, how's the house? How's the weather? No, no, you get in and it's the meat of the conversation. You pray until you get to that meat. When I was praying about it this week, I was like, God, what, is that, what does that look like in my life? How do, how do I pray until I pray? I'm just wrestling with it. And, and I was sitting in a very quiet, still place this morning or this week before sunup, just having a conversation with God. And I was asking him, so what, what, what do you mean by that when you pray until you pray? And, and the, the scripture came back to my mind that when Jesus was crucified, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom meaning that we have all access to the presence of God. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. And what God was teaching me in that moment, he says, when I say pray until you pray, it's this, Matt, you've got to tear down your veil. You've, I want to connect with you in a way that doesn't happen behind a wall or behind a curtain. And I tore mine down and I'm asking you to tear yours down because there's so much richness in the presence of God. And what I find amazing is the last several minutes of my prayer time seem to be exponentially richer than when I first started in the presence of God because we've gotten past all that stuff and we've gotten into the depth We've gotten to where the prayer doesn't just come from a memorized reciting. It comes from the depths of my soul. And when you say you're praying for your marriage, how are you really praying for your marriage? Are you just praying? Well, the word of God says that if there's strife between my wife and I, then my prayers are hindered. Or are you saying, God, I want to be who you've created me to be? And I got some things that are causing that to be a problem. And I need your presence in my life. Yeah, God, I want you to change her, but, but change me. And get in and have the depth of that conversation with God. You have all the access that you want with God. Don't just settle for limited access. Jesus didn't die and be resurrected so that we could have some access to God. He did it so we could have all access. So how's the progress in your prayer life? 
Are you praying? Is it just a memorized thing that you just kind of go into just automatic mode every time? I want to encourage you, make some progress past that to truly get into the depth of the presence of God where there's power and his authority over everything in our life. I told you we're going to close service a little differently, and we are. I'm going to ask you to take two minutes in your space. You don't have to pray out loud, but in your space. And I want you to just, maybe it's for the first time in your life you ever say, God, I'm, I'm here and I, I, I want to connect with you. Or maybe part of your story is I walked away from God. God, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I want to walk in alignment with you. I want you to spend some time. The presence of God is here. And I want you to spend some time in it. Because I know this, when God's people pray, lives change. The common denominator that every person we've baptized this weekend, in the past and will in the future is this, they've been prayed for. They're prayed into this tank. So are you praying, I'm praying for somebody to get saved. You know what, are you really praying it? the gut level, and do you really want it? I'm gonna give you just a couple minutes to pray on your own, and then I'll close this out. Jesus, thank you for teaching us and just modeling for us how to pray, how to really connect with you. And thank you for doing everything that we couldn't do to gain this access to your presence, your power, and this relationship with you. I ask you to help every one of us in this room and those online and listening all around the world, that, Father, you help us make progress in accessing your presence and connecting with you, Father. Your holy, loving, living nature, that we connect with that. Let us be a people of prayer. Let us be a people who walk in alignment with your heart and your will. And we pray like it means everything to us, connecting with you. We ask 
above all things that your name be kept holy for your glory and your honor. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at